Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Jonathan Cox, a popular board game YouTuber residing in the California Bay Area. Five years ago, John began making video reviews, which evolved into what is now a full-time job, creating board game tutorials on his YouTube channel, John Gets Games. John Welcome to the binge. How are you doing, my friend? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it is great to have you on. Uh, our apologies to um, everybody that tuned in last week. We had uh, John scheduled last week. We attempted to get the technology working. Uh, there was a massive storm here in central Canada, which knocked at the internet in a lot of the smaller communities, especially the one that I'm in. And uh, we just couldn't get the feed to work. And for a guy that cranks out the quality uh, videos that you see John do, I thought, you know what, I, I this is a disservice to John. We got to reschedule this, get a clean internet connection, and get a good uh, a good recording. So thank you for your patience and uh, in coming back, John. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, so let's start off. You have thirty two, uh, roughly thirty two thousand subscribers. I think you're like a couple yeah. hundred shy of that. Yeah, that's that's a huge number. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a funny thing about numbers. Uh, they, they, they tend to grow. <laughs> yeah, I guess they do. Well, even since uh, last week, I think you're up uh, like another thousand. So um, can you just start off by taking us through how did you get into this in the first place? Like what were you sure. doing before this? Is this something you've always done or kind of, how did you click in? I know you've been doing the, the, the channel for about five years, but you know, how did this all kind of come together? Yeah. I mean, the, I could take a tell you a very long, boring story, but the short version of it is that um, my previous career, I guess I can say that now, uh, was in the event industry. And I, uh, or I was, uh, I specialized in managing uh, large crews, installing large lighting rigs and uh, lots of big generators that could power whole cities, that kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, I worked a lot of nights and I worked a lot of weekends and I did not work a lot of like Mondays and Tuesdays at all. So uh, I would oftentimes be incredibly bored on like, you know, a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon or something like that. And um, I was like that for years. I mean, I, I, I started John Gets Games in April of 2014. So it's actually over six years now, math is wow. hard. Uh, okay. But um, at that point, I was already like five or six years deep into that industry. So I was pretty used to it. But um, <laughs> I just remember, uh, actually, uh, Rado is the reason I started a channel because um, I uh, was backing his Kickstarter campaign for his annual drive thing. And I remember reading his uh, blurb thing on the page and it said, um, you know, back in 2011, I pulled out my phone and I recorded my first video and the rest is history. And I remember it was like, a you know, a Tuesday in April of 2014. And I was like, I am so bored and I have a phone in my pocket if Rado just pulled out his phone and started, like, why the heck can't I? So I, I literally did that. I was so bored, I just pulled my phone out and I recorded a uh, review impromptu for a game that I loved. I'd played over 30 times. It was a game called Toluva. Uh, so I had a lot of thoughts about it. And um, I came up with the name John Gets Games um, almost instantly because uh, actually my my online kind of handle in a couple of ways was called John Gets Bored because I would get so <laughs> bored. I would get so bored, honestly. Like, I have a whole YouTube channel called John Gets Bored uh, nice. full of be doing things trying to not be bored like skydiving and racing cars and stuff like that wow. uh, but uh, uh and a lot of people are like why did you call this one john gets bored b-o-a-r-d and i thought because i don't know it just didn't sound very good uh so john gets games kind of came out of the ether and i just kind of ran with it i gave it about 10 seconds thought uh not realizing that it was going to dominate my life and end up being the name for my entire career it's funny how 
tiny little things, tiny little decisions can have massive ramifications. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, you know, kind of started because I was bored and I kept doing it because I was bored. And, and also I found it, you know, satisfying. Yeah. And so like, so starting off, like when I went back in history and kind of rolled back the clock to kind of the beginning of your YouTube channel, I could see that you still had, you know, you know, thousands of views, even on those first kind of few videos. What did you do to start building up that base? Were you doing any kind of advertising? Did you just kind of get lucky with picking the right games you reviewed or how did, what what did you go about? Like, how did you go about getting, you know, some of that initial uh, audience built up? Um, well, I mean, the, the short answer is um, persistence. Um, the more nuanced answer is that I think a lot of those videos, like especially the early ones that have, you know, thousands of views, that's because they're six years old. Um, uh, you know, they, okay. I was not getting thousands of views when I first started this thing out. Um, I, I vaguely remember being, you know, like it, the, for the first time one of my view, videos uh, got more than 100 views. Um, that was a pretty big deal. And it was it yeah. was a while. I can't remember. It was many, many months. Uh, and I remember, you know, being so excited when I hit 100 subscribers uh, many months in, um, you know, back when I started this thing off. I mean, the, the when it comes to like what I did, uh, like I said, perseverance is essentially the key. Like you do something long enough and you do it okay enough, then, you know, the numbers tend to go up. Uh, I've never really had any you know, hockey stick shaped uh, growth by any means. It's been kind of slow and steady, like, you know, the turtle the whole way through. Uh, (laughs) I never really did any advertising. The only advertising I've technically ever done is um, at the start of 2018. That's when I officially went part-time with this job. Now, before that, this was just a hobby that um, I started charging for things in 2017. Um, So for about a year, it was still just like a hobby that made a very small amount of money and I had a full-time job. And in January of 2018, I, I talked to my other you know, job, the career I'd been in for nine years at that point. And I said, Hey, I officially want to go down to 50% time so I can dedicate 50% of my time to this. And I ran a big pledge drive for my Patreon campaign at that point. Um, I made, you know, ribbons and all that kind of stuff. And I actually took out some advertising on board game geek for a month uh, to go along with it. So that, that's the only advertising I've ever done. And that was again, in January of 2018, when I was already math, you know, almost four years in. <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, make the video and I, I post it on BGG. Um, Board Game Geek is an incredible resource uh, in a lot of ways. I feel like as a hobby, we are very lucky to have something like Board Game Geek. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's the website. I know there are lots of other websites that try to be relevant and some of them are more than others, but but realistically, the elephant in the room is always Board Game Geek. Everyone goes there. It's essentially a wiki type website, you know, where you just yeah. put your own stuff in. It's the Board Game Wikipedia. And um, we can just post our stuff there. You know, I have a friend who's made music for like 20 years and he's got a SoundCloud and he's got all these things. And he's made like 20, you know, albums and that kind of stuff that uh, unfortunately almost no one listens to. And he's told me before, <laughs> he's like really jealous. He's like, you started doing this random thing, a creative project, and it's like taking off and you're making money at it. I wish that would work for me and my music. And I was like, well, there's no board game geek for music yeah (laughs) like i mean there's lots of websites there's soundcloud and whatnot but like you know most other hobbies are much more diffuse uh than this one is so yeah you know i put the videos up and if i was you know some travel blogger or if i was you know you know i cooked things in my kitchen or something i just put putting it up on youtube and hoping that youtube's algorithm would help me out whereas in the early days i think board game geek was the vast majority of the 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 push to get people to actually watch my stuff because it was a, a content funnel essentially people cared about the game a new video pops up they're curious to see what it is and then that helped youtube think i was relevant and these days uh the majority of the the people getting pushed to my stuff is not actually bgg i think it's i can't remember the exact amount it's somewhere between 10 and 20 percent of my views come in through bgg if maybe it's a little lower than that now but anyway uh, th- that's changed over time but um realistically well, 
kept making it, videos for six years straight. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of that growth, uh, the organic growth as well, comes with uh, being linked into you know Kickstarter pages. So, for instance, sure, um, we interviewed Jeff Laflamme from uh, the uh, Dungeon Decorators. Uh, a few weeks back. And yeah. in, in preparation for that interview, I wanted to really truly understand the game. If you're going to interview somebody, you obviously want to understand their game. Right. And so when I was looking at his Kickstarter page, of course, I go to the, tu- the tutorial, right, to try to understand how to play it. Yeah. Um, and the, it was your tutorial that was on there. And when I was, you know, watching the, tu- the tutorial, I was like, wow, number one, the audio is great because sometimes you get these uh, tutorials where it's it's great that they're using their camera, but you know, maybe they're using just the ambient uh, microphone, which isn't always right. great to listen to. Your audio was clean. Um, the description was was pretty clear on the different because I had some questions on like how, um, like what, for instance, King Domino, right? So when you play King Domino, um, you know how you choose the order of domino going into the next round. I thought that was kind of how their um, you know their their tile. Uh, choosing worked, but I wasn't really clear. But when I was watching your video, I'm like, okay, now it's crystal clear on how this works. So yeah, that pulled me into John gets games and which kind of generated me reaching out to you saying, Hey, let's, let's get on the podcast. Cause you know, I right. think you got a really great channel here. And I think that's what people kind of seek out, right? They seek out a place where they can find good content. And then once they subscribe, then they just, that content's going to keep coming to them. Right. And they may then suggest right. that to other people as well. Um, what percentage of your business now is, would you say, Kickstarter based, where you have, uh, you know, publishers reaching out to you saying, "Hey, can you, uh, can you help us with our Kickstarter by uh, by doing a video?" Well, what do you mean by um, business? Uh, you mean like uh, just like your your, of, vi- of your your video creation? Yeah, your content creation. So you you know you and when you go through your your YouTube page, there is a ton a of videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what percentage of those are, are are Kickstarters? Is kind of where I'm getting at. Probably on the order of uh, 80 to 90%, okay. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, it's something I've been trying to work down a little bit. Like I'm starting to work yeah. with some publishers who um, are working with me for a lot of their published games that they just you know publish straight to the market. Um, mm-hmm. I like being able to scout those around. But I mean, if I'm being honest, people... <laughs> publishers spend money to market their Kickstarters. Like Kickstarters are, uh, they're an event, you know, to try and yeah. sell this thing really quick. And, you know, the standard um, older way of selling board games was, you know, you release it to the public and you have your press release and you try to have sales and you try to drum up some interest, but it's just a lot different than the kind of uh, focusing of eyeballs that Kickstarter can do. So people are much more interested in, uh, you know, spending money to, 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 to make yeah. that Kickstarter campaign successful. And um, this is a business. This is now my entire full-time job. So, wow. you know, I have to kind of go with where the money is. So I try to cover, you know, games that are interesting. <laughs> I try not to, you know, I get, um, I get many requests for games that I don't think are that interesting to me. And so I decline. Uh, occasionally I'll say yes and I'll get a game and I'll realize it's not quite what I thought it might be. Mm. But, I, you know, I do the best I can sure. um, because it's a job. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm trying to inform people as best I can. I mean, I've been doing this for, you know, whatever the math is again, since early 2014. And um, I have not been making tutorials since 2014. Like my channel has changed drastically over time. Like I said, I started, you know, just filming a review with my iPhone. Um, I wasn't on screen at all. And I didn't have a microphone at all. I just used my iPhone's microphone. And the first couple of videos were like that. And the first, every video that I made for the first, I think like 
eight or so months was just reviews. Um, and uh, right from the get-go, I was trying to make reviews of a style that I felt like I wasn't seeing. I essentially wanted to see the reviews that I wanted to watch. I was like, okay, I'll make them. Um, but over time, I started making playthroughs. And um, I remember... I think the very first Kickstarter video I made, one of the first certainly, uh, was a game called Shadow Throne. Um, and that's because uh, a friend of mine, like a real life friend of mine who lives in the Bay Area uh, named Teal Fristo, he's the, he was the designer of it. And he asked me to make a video. He knew I had a YouTube page um, that had, you know, probably less than a thousand subscribers at that point. And I said, sure, I'll make you a video for because you're my friend. <laughs> so I made the game, I made the video for that one. I made another video for another one of his games called Birds of a Feather. Um, and I just okay. kind of trickled with those over over time, you know, publishers started reaching out, asking me to cover their games for Kickstarter. And I said, yes, because, you know, content. And, you know, I didn't charge for years for these things that came in. And uh, and eventually, in like I said, 2017, I, I finally got up the gumption to, to start asking for money to, to, to do these things. And, um, you know, these days, there are tutorials that aren't even full playthroughs. I try to make them feel like you're playing the game yeah. while I'm going through the tutorial, but I stop. You know, I don't play through the whole game anymore because yeah. um, for, for well, a wide variety of reasons. But the, the core idea that I'm trying to get to is that um, things change and that's good. And, you know, I don't I have this great studio and I've got awesome lighting and awesome audio and everything, but yeah. that is super not how this started. That was an incremental, you know, thing over the years. I, I think that, um, you know, if people have short attention spans, like I do, uh, being able to have a video tutorial that you can kind of skim through quickly to the important parts is, is pretty good. Um, I think, I mean, your model's not, isn't a, a foreign model, right? Most content creators, especially if they have a, a subscriber base are going to charge for that service. And I mean, you're paying for the quality you're paying, um, to help fund, you know, great sound equipment, great lighting and, um, and, and the time that goes into it. And I'm going to speak to the time that goes into it in a second, but with 32,000 subscribers. So, so my message out to anybody out there who's a, uh, a publisher, designer, uh, anybody looking to do maybe Kickstarter and they're thinking, hey, you know, why would I pay to have a tutorial? I could probably just create that tutorial myself. Not only are you getting the quality with that, um, having a third person uh, describe the game, which they're going to be able to come at it from a very different point of view of right. someone who's too close to it. But the subscriber base, so you got to think, right? So, you know, John's got roughly 32,000 subscribers. All those people are opted in. So every time he launches a new video, they get pinged saying, hey, there's a new video up uh, by John, right? So you're not I mean, just to paying- To a certain extent. Right, I, I, but, the, but the you're not just paying for the, the creation of the video. You're also getting an audience that comes in, comes with that as built in, right? That you wouldn't necessarily yeah. tap into if you, hadn't, uh, if you hadn't done it through this particular channel. Yeah, that, that is absolutely true. I mean, there's, yeah. there's no getting around that. Um, but, you know, with the subscriber mechanism on YouTube, mm -hmm. you have to actually click that silly little bell in order yeah. to actually get like pinged when a thing happens. Right. And I can tell you that like 5% of the people who subscribe to my channel have clicked that little bell. I think it's because I don't tell people to because I feel like, why would I tell people to make their phone alert when I make a new video? That just feels yeah. weird. But you have to, you know, when you look at your subscription feed, um, uh, you know, you, you see all these things. And I will say that, that is definitely a factor um, to publishers you know, who are who are paying to have me make the videos. But what I really try to push back essentially with mm -hmm. is that I am trying to make marketing content essentially for these games. Like yeah. I'm not trying to be disingenuous. I'm, I want the game to show itself off. Um, but yeah. I kind of want the subscriber base to be secondary. I want to make a video that they want to put in front of other people. Like sure. here is a thing, you know, you paid for a thing. Here's a thing. Um, go on and use my thing to help sell your game. Uh, and oh, by the way, yes, there's 31,000 people who are potentially going to watch it. Um, 
Which doesn't hurt. <laughs> it doesn't. But I mean, I say potentially. That's a big potentially. I mean, I could tell you from my experience that, you know, the vast majority of those people don't watch every one of my videos. Well, they're not going to watch every one. <laughs> but I mean, like, I think most people when you have, because I have a number of channels I'm subscribed to across board yeah. games, tech, sci-fi, Star Wars, things like that. When I go on YouTube, I don't just go in blind and say, today I'm just going to start browsing YouTube and just see what pops up. I go to my right. subscription feed first and I start looking at all the videos coming out from the channels that I've subscribed to. So yeah. even if I haven't clicked that bell, you're still going to get a chunk of people that, you know, as they're scrolling, they, they may still see that even if they don't play yeah. it, just the thumbnail alone is, is advertising, right? So yeah, it is. And I think yeah. um, one of the analytics that YouTube gives you is the number of impressions that you get, like the number of times one of your videos has been presented to somebody else as a suggestion, um, uh, or I think also as a subscription. And then it also tells you like your conversion rate of how many people, how many times people actually click on that thing when it actually pops up. So yeah, I mean, I mean, the, all these things matter, but but I guess what I'm trying to get at from a uh, practical perspective is mm -hmm. like uh, in a, from a real number perspective, you know, I have 31,000 subscribers right now, which is awesome. Nearly uh, but, 32. You know, <laughs> nearly 32. Uh, but, you know, I've published uh, videos in the last couple of months that after a couple of days have not cracked a thousand views because sure. uh, there's just no hype for those games already. You know, like yeah. me creating the video feeds into making some hype for the game, hypothetically, but, you know, if I make a video for a game that everyone's talking about already, boom, I'm going to have, you know, three, 4,000 uh, views like crazy. If yep. it's a, if it's a, a video for uh, a game, that's not getting a lot of hype or, you know, a smaller scale Kickstarter that still wanted to go with me, you know, I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad. Cause I'm like, you know, I, I wish everyone would, would watch it. You know, I think this, you know, whatever game it is I'm talking about um, by definition, if I'm recording a video for it um, I'm saying, I think it's worth, some of your time to take a look at it, but sure. you know, people scroll through their massive list of all these subscribing uh, uh, channels they subscribe to. And you know, they're like, Oh, I've heard of that click. And they're like, Oh, I haven't heard of that before. You know, they just pass on it. So um, there's a pretty sizable difference. Like sometimes even four X as many views for a, a game that, that people already know about versus a game that, that isn't uh, big. And like I said, you know, 31,000 subscribers um, and it still could take, you know, a full week to crack a thousand views. Um, of course. I've been, yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a nuanced. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the process, right? Because yeah. I think when a lot of people watch a video, they think, wow, that, you know, that's that's easy. I mean, he sets his camera up in front of his backdrop, pulls out the game and just starts playing it and recording himself talking about, uh, you know, how, how to kind of set up the board and, and how, yeah. to, how to make the moves and so forth. But it, it, it is more complex. And I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate the amount of work it goes into creating content. Can you walk us through your process from start Sure. Right? So when a, when a client says, okay, you come to agreement, you're going to create a video from a client, the process you go through from when that starts through to the end, what are the steps and how much time is involved in that, in that start to finish process? Yeah. I mean, it, it varies a bit from project to project, but in general, you know, they say yes. And then they ship me a prototype, usually a prototype because most of the videos I do are Kickstarters, but sure. they ship me a version of the game. Uh, when I get it and when I'm ready to actually film it, I will bust it out on the table and I'll read through the rules and try to figure out how it works. More often than not, I will have questions. So I write all those up into uh, a notepad and then I shoot those off. So I actually usually try to do that first wave of trying to learn the game mm -hmm. a day or two before I actually want to film because not all publishers respond super quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely had projects stall out for a week or two before because I'm just not getting a, 
email back explaining, you know, these questions that I have. Uh, but once I get to that point, I mean, right there, that alone usually takes, depending on the game, between one and three hours. Uh, if it's a really complex game, um, it can be hard. Also, and I'm not going to name names, but like I have had many videos, uh, many prototypes show up for a pretty meaty, like medium to heavyweight game with lots of stuff going on. Mm. And I have a text word document for the rules, <laughs> like not a single image inside the entire thing, like a 40 page word document. Right. And you know, that's going to be three hours of me just going through process of elimination, being like figuring out which types of cards are what by counting them and being like, okay, there's yeah. 65 of these. So therefore this is a scheme card or whatever, you know? Um, but like, uh, man, I wish I had a video that could actually walk me through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. I actually, yeah. I have been known uh, to watch other people's videos. If other people have made videos first, uh, nice. because why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So you get um, to learn yeah. the game. So you understand how to, to, to kind of, you know, the, the, the rules of how to play. Yeah. Then you sit down and then, um, then you start. So one question that kind of came up was as looking through some of these videos, are you, uh, recording while you're doing those hand actions or do you record the audio separate from the actual hand actions and then pair them uh, up? Yeah, it, it happens at the same time. Okay. Um, uh, believe it or not, it would be probably an order of magnitude harder to do it separate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's way better just record everything at the same time, uh, sync it up in Final Cut Pro, and then go from there. I, I mean, I do technically record it in two different ways. I have a, uh, a, a recording device over here. You can see it's a Zoom H. Uh, yeah, H4N Pro, I've had this for years. Mm -hmm. um, so that records me, what I'm saying in a microphone, and then the camera is recording audio. And then in Final Cut Pro, I just click the little merge button and it, it merges them together. So I get the good audio and I get the uh, good video. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I sit down and I, you know, splay the game out, make, make sure it's ready. And depending on the game, I might just jump in and just start going for it. And uh, sometimes if it's a more complex game, uh, I, I spend some time kind of planning out what each of the players will do. You know, I have uh, usually three players in my games that, you know, two are dummy players and one is us, you know, the collective yep. Sure. us playing it um and if it's a really complicated game with like 12 main actions i don't want to find myself like four rounds in and realize i just haven't even covered a third of the actions yet because i just haven't got around to it uh so i will sometimes spend a decent amount of time depending on the game like even up to like two to three hours um figuring out this person does this and that's going to give them these yeah. resources and this person does that this person does a third thing that's different now it's this person's turn again and because they got the stuff from doing the first action now it's legally possible for them to do this next thing. You know, if I was just doing an instructional video, um, like something like, uh, you know, that's on the Watch It Played channel, for instance, you just mock up an example and teach the thing and you mock up a new example and teach the thing. Yeah. Um, I've set myself a little bit of a hurdle in that I'm trying to play legally <laughs> while actually getting yeah. to everything, while actually teaching everything. And sometimes a decent amount of work goes into making sure that happens. But I, mean, I can tell you right now that I just um, like literally half an hour ago finished filming a uh, uh, tutorial playthrough for Castles of Tuscany. And mm. that is a simpler game overall. And I did no planning in that one. I just started playing. <laughs> There's eight different actions in that one. And I kind of just felt confident that I would get around to talking about all of them in a reasonable amount of time. And I think that did happen. Uh, whereas a game like Merv, the tutorial I did for Merv, I think that was close to three hours <laughs> planning out every single, you know, the, the first and second uh, actions for all the players because of all the crazy interconnectedness that happens. So it really varies. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to 
get to all of the teaching moments as quickly as possible and as organically as possible. Yeah. And I, I you know, I certainly cheat off screen, <laughs> off, off camera, a significant amount sometimes to actually get there stacking decks, rolling dice until I get the die roll that I'm looking for. But, you know, yeah, I don't think people are expecting this to be totally legit. <laughs> so doing the math on this, you're looking at what, then eight to 10 hours from start to finish by the time you do the, you know, the learning, the filming, the editing, going back over the edit to make sure everything is clean, send to the client back of like, you're looking at what, 10, 12 hours per video? Yeah, these days I think I'm averaging around 10. Um, back before September, I was doing full playthroughs. Like I played through the entire mm -hmm. game and those averaged more like 15 um, with some serious outliers. Like Frosthaven took like 27 hours, I think. <laughs> that, was a, that was a beast. Um, but uh, yeah, these days it's, um, now that I'm not playing through the entire game, I'm just focusing on the teaching bit. Um, yeah. It's around 10 hours. Um, yeah, the, the, these things add up. Uh, the editing process, um, it's multiple waves. You know, I, I sit down at my computer and I have, you know, maybe like five hours of raw video that's yeah. all synced up and I'll just go through and I chop out all of the dead space. I look at the waveform. I see my little voice going up and down mm -hmm. and everywhere I'm not talking, I just cut out with the blade tool and then I delete all that stuff. And then I come back through and I watch the whole thing. And then once that's done, I send it to the publisher to check it to see if I made mistakes. And then when they tell me the mistakes, I edit it. I record new audio and splice that in and sometimes put things on screen. Um, and then I'll edit it one more time, adding all the timestamps and introduction and images and all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot. It takes a while. Like there's a lot of steps to it. Yeah. So when people, and so I always say this to people, I talk to them about content creation, you know, when you're wondering like, you know, why is there a cost associated with that? Think of any other job or any other thing that you might do as a career where you're an expert in a certain field and you get hired for a day and a half to go and work on a certain job on a site somewhere. Like, what would you charge? What would you char you're going to charge for that, obviously. Right. right. So um, I think sometimes we're so used to having kind of that phone at our hip and, you know, shooting a quick little video here and there. I don't think people necessarily appreciate uh, the amount of work and time and effort that goes into kind of creating, creating these things. And, and I think people need to be uh, compensated, uh, you know, uh, appropriately. So, um, you know, and it comes through in the quality of your work. I mean, these videos are, are excellent. Yeah. You do <laughs> such an amazing job. Thanks. Um, so what would, um, what would you say is kind of the key learning for other content creators out there? So if there's someone out there looking to get into content creation, not necessarily mimicking exactly what you do, but if they're looking sure. at just doing some kind of content creation, what are some tips you would give them for starting out uh, in this industry? Um, I, I, I've mentioned this before in other ways, but I'll, I'll say it again. I mean, I essentially sure. have two tips. Uh, one is uh, physical and one is mental. Uh, the physical tip is don't spend a bunch of money at the start. Um, mm. Like I said, my first um, many videos were actually, I could say for the first at least two years, I've recorded everything with my iPhone. Um, uh, at one point I got a better iPhone. So the camera got a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, a few months in, I bought a microphone, um, a little lapel uh, microphone that would fit right here and I actually mm -hmm. plugged it into an iPad that I would shove behind my pants behind me so you wouldn't see me on screen. And that was recording the audio separately. So this is before I spent, you know, 
I don't remember, a couple hundred dollars buying this um, audio recorder. I just used what I had. I had an iPhone. I happened to have an iPad. So I bought an $80 microphone several months in and utilized the things that I had. But but before that, the first few months, I spent $0. And I think yeah. that's what you should do. Like from a mechanical you know, uh, stuff perspective, don't invest money until you know you really want to do it. And that leads me to the other tip um, that I, I've definitely mentioned to people before. And that is that um, you have to constantly be honest with yourself and constantly check in with yourself about if you want to keep doing it, um, and it's kind of blunt, but um, you know, most people I think start this on a whim um, mm-hmm. for the most part. And just because you started it on a whim does not mean you are writing a contract in blood that you're making this kind of content for the rest of your days um, or any content at all. Um, for instance, with me, you know, I I had a heart to heart with myself in um, gosh years ago now. I, I can't even remember dates, but about two or three years ago, where I realized that um, I hated making reviews, and that's what I started with. That was my very first thing that I did was making reviews. And I'd made, I think a couple hundred of them at this point. And I put so much time and effort into them. But every time I made a review, that was a bad day. And I was like, what, what, what makes one day a bad day and the next day a good day? I'm like, oh, I, every bad day is a day I made a review. It just brought me down. It made game nights less fun because I felt forced to play certain games over and over again. And, and I just felt bad because I would be very critical in my reviews. And I would oftentimes point out things that I perceive to be legitimate flaws in games. And it felt silly to me, honestly, because it was like, you know, the, I don't know the exact analogy, but you know, the closing the barn doors after the horses have left or, you know, that kind of thing. Like the game's published. Like if I think there's a flaw with it and I yell it to the world, well, it's not going to fix the game. It's just going to tell people not to buy it. And I guess some people like that. Some people do, but I always, you know, I, I want to make the game better. And, and so, yeah, at that point, I realized I wanted to stop making reviews and I wanted to focus on making tutorials and I want to focus on getting into the industry more uh, to the point where maybe I could get into a development type role where I could actually help make board games better before they click the publish button. Um, and that's taken many years, but it's slowly starting to kind of happen. Um, but, you know, I had to check in with myself and realize I wanted to stop doing that. Just this year in August, I checked in with myself and I was like, a ba- what are my bad days? My bad days are when I spend eight hours recording the extended video for some video for some game. Yeah. And um, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, like it, they got stubborn. I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I know a lot of people love it. That's why a lot of people love it. And I felt like if I stopped doing it, then everyone would leave me. Um, honestly, I mean, not like I had like a condition about it, but in my, my head, I felt like this is my brand. Like every playthrough I've ever made has been a full playthrough. I can't not make a full playthrough. That's not what I do. And I realized, well, of course I can. I did not write a contract in blood that said every playthrough will be a full playthrough for the rest of my days. So I made the change and, you know, my Patreon campaign took a very big hit. Um, uh, my subscriber count slowed a decent bit, uh, for a while, but you know, then it kind of bounces back up and everything's fine. And people are, I think, largely getting used to it. Uh, Sometimes people still, you know, say they wish I did full playthroughs. And honestly, I kind of do too. I liked playing the whole game. I liked seeing where it went. I just didn't like investing the extra, you know, seven to 18 extra hours that that extended playthrough could take. So I always say long story short, but it's, it's never short. Even Uh, uh, hard drive space too, right? I don't think people appreciate that, but the amount of gigabytes of space you need to hold. Yeah. Like actually, a two hour video is insane, right? I had a, uh, a two terabyte external hard drive that was holding all of my videos and I ran out of space uh, about eight months ago. So yeah. I actually had to get a program that could recrunch all of my videos, squeeze them out into a slightly different codec that was about 20% the size, losing, you know, keeping about 90% of the quality. And then I deleted all the originals just because I ran out of space. You know, <laughs> like yeah. you said, it just, it takes up space and I don't want to lose them, but 
So, so what would be the, 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 if you were to pick kind of the, of all the videos you do, this is a question actually from Mike in, uh, who's listening in in the lobby here. Yeah. Uh, if you were to pick one type of video, what would be your preferred? Is it, is it short playthroughs, short tutorials, obviously reviews, you just said is the bane of your existence. So we won't get into reviews. What, that might what be is an overstatement, kind of, but yeah. What, what, what's the, what's the ideal video for you? Honestly, my favorite videos are the live Q and A's. <laughs> oh, there you go. Because <laughs> you know, just sit here and talk to people. Uh, so you know, they they don't take that much work. And that um, leads into your podcast as well, right? So you're doing a podcast yeah. a couple of times a month as well, and a lot of your Q and A's kind of get. I think it fed into that as well, right? It becomes yeah. I mean, podcast. the podcast um, has no exclusive content. I, I essentially it was a goal for a certain level of the Patreon campaign that yeah. I would. Sp- extra time every time I made a vlog to actually export it as a podcast. So the the podcast feed is just audio versions of the vlogs that I put out. Yeah. Uh, and it, it takes a little bit of extra work to actually put those things out, but they're, 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 they're identical. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, vlogs are fun, right? You're just sitting here talking about games. Uh, the impressions vlogs, I quite like doing those usually, although sometimes I get anxious about it. If I have some opinion that I feel like might be, you know, contentious or mm-hmm. if I have, you know, not the best things to say, I want to make sure that I can articulate that well, but then I sit here and I turn the camera on and I just kind of ramble for you know about 10 minutes on each <laughs> other. It just kind of happens. Um, so there's a couple of people in the lot. We got a lot of people actually in the lobby asking questions. One of them I think is kind yeah. of funny is they're asking, what is the circles behind you on your wall? So people listening, oh, yeah. there's all these, this, this kind of pattern of circles kind of bolted to the wall behind John as part of his background. You'll see it. If you go yeah. to uh, John gets games YouTube channel, you'll see this wall. What is that? Is that CDs? Is that wood? What is that? It's wood. Uh, it's wood. Um, so actually, long story short, I'll try to make it short. I promise. Um, <laughs> last year, I did a very big show. The, the, the event company that I used to work for, because of course, yeah. COVID kind of killed everything. Um, it catered to the like 0.1% of the San Francisco Bay Area. So I've done a lot of billionaires weddings and billionaires 50 year old you know birthday parties with yeah. concerts with big name people that you've heard of, but I've signed NDAs. But um, I did uh, a big show last year. And one thing that we oftentimes do is we actually install can lights um, mm. into wooden um, things to make a temporary structure look like it's real. Um, so we did a show last September where um, I measured out and cut out, I don't know, about a thousand of these things, several, wow. many, like eight, eight nine hundred. Um, I mean, I've, I've probably cut out holes for close to 10,000 can lights over my tenure, uh, uh, tenure at this company. But um, either way, these are just the holes that we cut out to install little can lights to make a fancy looking cocktail area for a wedding. Um, and I was, you know, picking them up off the construction site, putting them in a bin. I was taking them out to the the, the, the trash bin. And I just looked down. I was like, these things look so cool. It's like um, uh, harvested barn wood or something like that. And yeah. I just walked through my car and I put them in the back of my car instead. And I had them for a while. And uh, I ended up deciding I wanted to work them into a backdrop because before that, um, for years, I've had this gray curtain that I bought like five or six years ago because it was cheap on Amazon. Sure. Um, and that was fine, but it's not very interesting. And so for a very long time, I was wanting to do something else. And uh, this ended up being the thing that I decided to do. And I went through a lot of iterations and I'm already talking about this a lot, but uh, yeah, it's the scrap wood from uh, an event. Um, I showed this to my uh, bosses and they got a big kick out of it because they knew exactly what it was immediately. That's cool. So if someone wants to, uh, like a publisher or developer, reach out to you because uh, they, they like the quality of your games, uh, your, your like your tutorials and so forth. And again, go to John Gets Games on YouTube. 
uh, you'll find his channel. It's an awesome channel. Lots of great quality in there. If someone sees what they like, they love it, and they want to see their game uh, on your table and you describing their game and how to how they play their game, how best do they reach out to you? Uh, the best way to reach out to me for pretty much anything is just email me. It's johngetsgames at gmail.com. Pretty simple. Uh, there's a contact page on johngetsgames.com as well. So that also displays uh, this kind of options. Well, that's awesome. Well, John, goes yeah. by so quick. Thank you so yeah. <laughs> much for coming on this podcast. And thank you so much for agreeing to reschedule. Uh, I know no we problem. had a hiccup last week, but that was awesome. To anybody listening, uh, I want to just wish our American friends a happy Thanksgiving. I know that uh, it's about a month later than it was in Canada, but uh, I know we got a lot of people get ready for their uh, their Christmas or sorry, not their Christmas, their, their Thanksgiving holidays this week and visiting friends and family. And I'm sure board games are going to be coming out this week at many tables across America. So uh, once again, thanks for coming on the podcast. You take care. You too. Thanks. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.